Amen. You can have a seat. Well, what's good, church? 2019. Man, I think I lost my voice. About had a contact pop out. Woo. 2019 is here. A new year is upon us, full of possibilities, new directions, new goals. How many of you have already broken a resolution, a New Year's resolution? A couple of hands in the house, all right. That's okay. You still have 359 days to get it right, amen. Can I, uh, I want to encourage you in something. Uh, resolutions, I think, are fine. I mean, uh, I do think that that we should be disciplined and, and we should... Uh, we, we should set goals and we should strive to meet those goals and we should do all of those things. I think those are, I think that's all very important. But can I encourage you with this? Even when we break our resolutions, we serve a God who is resolute. Okay, oh, y'all not with me. Let me try this out. Even when we break our resolutions, we serve a God who is resolute. Okay? That's, that's, that's the beauty of this. That's what we get, that, that's the God that we get to praise. That's the God that we get to serve. He is resolute. He's more than resolute. He's absolute. So when we fail, our God doesn't. James says that he does not change like the shifting shadows. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He's resolute. And we can draw on that same power and that same strength and that same unwavering quality and characteristic that the, that the Lord has. And we can employ it in our own lives. I want to take it a step further. You have that same absolute resolution taking up residence inside of you. All right, if you are a follower of Jesus here today, come on, somebody, this is, this is the power that we have within us. So don't say, I can't do it, because you can with the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't say, I'll probably fail anyway, so why try? Because you probably will fail. That's okay, but God does it, and he's on your side. Don't say, I'm not strong enough, I don't have enough willpower, because you have the power of the creator of heaven and earth, the maker of all things known and unknown, the king of glory. His power is at our disposal. His power is a prayer away. His power is ready to bring glory to his name. So set your goals. Set your resolutions. I don't care if they're spiritual or not. Set some goals. Lose some weight. Go to bed earlier. Make a new friend. Get that promotion at work. Save some more money. Read some new books. Read the book. Chase some dreams. Trust the Lord. And if you mess up, remember that he doesn't. He doesn't. He's absolute. He's resolute. And you can turn back to him. And like a good, good father, he'll pick you up. He'll dust you off. And he'll push you back out there to keep going. That's enough about resolutions. All right. God is so good. Amen. God is so good. Well, can I tell you how excited I am for this year, church? I am believing that this is going to be a year of impact. I believe that God is going to impact individuals in this church. I believe that God is going to impact individuals in this community. I believe he's going to impact this church as a whole. He's going to use this church to reach the people to impact the people of Greenwood and Abbeville and 96 and beyond. This is going to be a year of impact. God is going to make an impact. I want you to look at three people this morning and let them know that God's going to make an impact. I want to make sure you're with me. Tell them God's going to make an impact. Let them know. Let them know. They need to know God's going to make an impact. 
Now, now here's the thing. I know you're thinking, okay, uh, I want us to be, here's why, we're, here's why I want you to say it, because we need to, we need to know this, we need to be ready for this, we need to be on the lookout for this, because God's going to do it, I believe God's going to do it, I believe he's going to make a huge impact, uh, but, but I, want, I want you to know this, this is not my word for the year, all right, I know many of you have a word for the year, or you've seen others post on social media their word for the year, and this isn't my, my word for the year, because I can't choose one word for the year, I have lots of words for the year, impact, abundance, Provision, salvation, revival, growth, influence, faithfulness. I am believing God for some huge, huge things this year, and I'm excited to kick this year off with 21 days of prayer and fasting that we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, toward the end of, of the message here. So keep that in mind. I want to let you know where we're going over the next few weeks. We're going to be spending uh, some time looking at some of our core values. Uh, we're going to spend some time looking at, at just a few of those that, that we have as a church. These are values that we hope to embody and portray. And, and it's a little hard to do that if we don't talk about them and if you don't know them. And so there's a few uh, that we won't cover because, uh, honestly, we've, we hit on them a lot. God created us. Do we have a list? Let's go and get that list up there uh, of, of our core values. Uh, here's, some of our, here's our core values right here. It's, it's nine core values that we have. We, we started with about 45, and we whittled them down uh, to nine uh, that, that we really liked, that kind of embodied everything that we felt like God had called us to be. And some of them are a little more uh, obscure than others, and, and I get that. Um, and some of them need a little bit more explanation. But... Uh, but there's some that we really do well. There's some that we are just firing on all cylinders and we're rocking and we're rolling and it's great. Uh, God created us to serve God in the city. All right, we're probably not going to talk much about that one because, because you guys are serving. You guys are pouring into this community. You're doing it. You're being the hands and the feet and it's incredible. And so uh, we're going to save that one for another time. We're going to save that one for another day. Also, God created us to give with a purpose. We say that almost every week because we want to keep that at the forefront of our minds. We want to know that God creates to give with a purpose, and this is a generous church. And so we're not going to spend time on that one during this particular series. In fact, this is such a generous church that I want to share this. Yeah, I think we have time. I want to share this. Um, I want to share how the Heart for the House offering went down. If you were here last week, we had a Heart for the House offering. It was our, our, our year-end offering, and, and, uh, and we wanted to... Uh, do something, wanted to take up an offering on, on the last Sunday of the year that, uh, that would go to um, continue to help build this house, build this, this church, this tabernacle, so that more and more people could, uh, could come and could hear the gospel, and we could go and take the gospel, and it would be an incredible thing. And so we're really excited about it. And uh, when I brought this up to the elders, we discussed it, and we, we prayed about it, and, um, and they asked if I had a particular number in mind, a goal to pray for and, and work toward as a church. And, and now we had an idea based on the things that we wanted to actually raise money for. We said we were going to buy some of the equipment that we've been renting. Uh, we want to put some money towards staff costs, uh, toward, toward helping pay some of our uh, amazing volunteer staff. And so we want to do some of those things. So we kind of knew what that number was going to be. But, but I didn't really, I, I just felt in the moment, I, I don't remember who asked. It might have been Eric or, or somebody. I'm not sure who asked, like, what the money was, like, how much, like, what was the, the, the amount. So I looked at Brandon, and, uh, and, and Brandon's not here today. He's on vacation. But I looked at Brandon. He's our executive director. And so I said, hey, uh, Brandon, what's been our largest giving week since we've launched as as a church and he said uh it's been he, he said it was four thousand dollars was our largest giving week and and for some reason in that moment I felt compelled to say uh well you know what I think God's going to double that let's go for eight 
So, so our largest amount that, that we've, that we've uh, come to find out later that, that that largest amount was like a fluke, an abnormality. Like that's not like typical or average. There was like a couple of really big gifts that came in to kind of push that, that way up there. And so uh, I didn't know that at the time, but even if I had known it, it didn't matter. Um, so we said uh, that we wanted to double that. We felt like God was going to double that during this time. We prayed to that end. And, uh, and I think somewhere along the way, this is just me being honest. Somewhere along the way, I got cold feet about actually sharing that number with the church. Now, if you've been with us for a long time, maybe you were part of our launch team or you knew about us during the launch phase whenever we were kind of building up the launch team, meeting in the living room, and, and kind of before we came here to the theater a year ago, uh, we were, you know, setting, setting up budgets and, and all of these things so that we could launch the church. And, and we were looking at some different uh, organizations and some different churches that have launched in the past, and all of their budgets were really, really high, like, like 250000 300000 this is what we need to launch a church, and, and they had that. And so you, we said, you know what, I think we can do it for 93000 and we set that as our goal, and we worked to that goal for a couple of months. Well, we didn't get close, so we shaved it a little bit. We took it from 93 down to about 56 or so, 55. And then we shaved it a little bit more, and we took it down to about 35, 30. And then we shaved it a little bit more down to 20. 15. When we launched on December 31st, we launched with $10,000. Well, not with $10,000 because we spent that $10,000 on some things, but, but we had raised only $10,000. And so I think I have to say that I think I had kind of got in my head a little bit about, about projecting a number out there that we feel like we're going to, that, that we feel like uh, God's going to bring and then that not happen. And I think there was just a little trepidation on my part. So one day last week I was uh, thinking about this and, and just kind of praying about this and I felt very convicted that I hadn't done that. I felt like I had not operated in faith. I felt like I had not uh, been faithful to what I felt like God had actually told me in that moment, $8,000. And so I prayed that night and I repented, I asked for forgiveness. I said, God, forgive me. I have not trusted in you. I have not, I have not believed that you're going to do what, what I felt like you were going to do, and, and, and so I'm sorry, and so I said, I'm good. This Sunday, when we go for the heart for the house, whenever we take up the offering, I'm going to say, this is what I believe uh, you're going to do, and I'm going to say it out loud. I'm going to say it proud, and, um, and so I said that, and then the very next day, Brandon gives me a call and says, hey, um, just so you know, online giving, we haven't even taken up the heart for the house yet, but online giving, we've already exceeded the amount that we were looking for. Yeah, you can, you can clap for that. You are a generous church. You are obedient to the Lord's leading. So overall, the Heart for the House offering, out of the $8,000 we prayed for, God went above and beyond all that we could ask or imagine. And through you, he provided $13,985.67. That's something to celebrate. Yeah, that's awesome. This is a, a game changer. This is more money than we actually launched with as a church a year ago. And, uh, and so this is incredible. Uh, we'll put out a full report uh, probably with our year-end review, which will come out in a couple of weeks, and you know, kind of get to see where all that's going to go and how, how it's going to be used and how God's going to get the glory out of that. But thank you so much for being faithful and, and for being obedient um, to what the Lord was asking you to do in those moments. But um, 
let's move on. Let's get into let's get into we've only got some time here. So let's get to the message. Uh, our, our vision statement. I want to share that with you for just a moment. Our vision, our mission. Uh, a lot of churches have different names for it and different. We have one statement and this statement defines us. This defines everything we do. We are for God and his kingdom. We are for people and this city. Uh, we are for God. Why? Because God's for us. And in Psalm 56.9, then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know, that God is for me. Psalm uh, 118.6, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Ezekiel 36.9, for behold, I am for you, and I will turn to you, and you shall be tilled and sown. Romans 8.31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Our God is for us. He is about us. Listen, there are people out there that try to squash the love of God, the love that God has for us. So let me say this another way. There are Bible teachers out there that try to discredit or cheapen the love that God has for us. Okay? They tend to say things like, God doesn't pursue you, you pursue God. God doesn't need you. His primary objective is his glory, not your happiness. And while that may be true, there may be some truth there, the intent is it almost always seems to be to cheapen the emotional, agape, unrelenting, unconditional love that, that God has, that the Father has for his children. Look, I don't know what your Bible says, but my Bible says, for, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's, that's what my Bible says. And how can anyone look at that verse and say that God is not for us? That God does not love us. That God is not about us. You have to understand, church, that there's a fine line between humility and humiliation. And there are some teachers that seem to want to keep people in a mode of humiliation before man and before God instead of living in humility before Messiah that gave his life for us. We are for God. We are about God. This church is about a lot of things. We love worship. We love serving. We love being generous. We love the community. But first and foremost, we are for God because, frankly, he's for us. He set the bar pretty high with creation, and then he raised the bar a little bit whenever he sent his son Jesus to die for us. He set the bar high. He is for us, and we're going to be for him, about him, his glory, and all that we do. We're also for his kingdom. So what does that mean? What is the kingdom of God? I want to go through, I'm going to go through just this, this thing first, our, our, our mission statement. I'll go through it real quick because I actually have two other things I want to talk about. Um, but I want to touch on our mission statement first as we get into the series, since all things that we're going to talk about flow from this mission statement. Uh, the kingdom of God is mentioned 126 times in the gospel, but only in the gospels, but only 34 times elsewhere in scripture in the rest of the New Testament. So Jesus talks a ton about the kingdom. So what is it? The basic meaning of the word kingdom in the Bible is God's reign, R-E-I-G-N, not R-A-I-N, although for the last couple months it's felt like that, right? The basic meaning of the word kingdom is God's reign, not, not, the, not a realm, not, not a people, because that's what your mind goes to when you think about kingdom. The kingdom creates a realm, the kingdom creates a people, but the kingdom of God is not synonymous with the realm or the people. For example, I want to read this out of Psalm 103:19. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. You can hear the basic meaning of the word kingdom as rule. It doesn't mean that the kingdom that that his kingdom rules over his realm. It means that God's reign or rule governs all things. He sits as king on his throne, the throne of the universe. 
his kingly rule, his kingdom and his reign, it governs all things. The basic meaning of the word kingdom in the Bible is, is God's kingly rule, his reign, his action, his lordship, his sovereign governance. Since God's purpose for the world was to save people, was to, to save a people for himself and renew the world for that people, his kingly rule implies a saving and a redeeming activity on their behalf. This is why, that's, this is precisely why the coming of the kingdom in the New Testament is called the good news. Because God decided that the kingdom of God would be most gloriously revealed in a crucified and risen king. So we are for his kingdom. We want God to reign in the hearts and lives of as many people as possible. We're also for people. We're also for people. Uh, kind of covered this at the beginning, I think, with God being for us. God is for people, and so we are for people. Not, uh, we, we are for all people. Let me say that. We are for all people, not just for people who come to this church. Not just people that have the same gender or, or race or socioeconomic status as, as we do. Each of us individually, but all people. Because God is for all people. Romans 5.8 says, but God shows his love for us uh, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We are all sinners. Every one of us, correct? Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we're all sinners. We're all sinners, which means God showed how much he loves all people, how much he is for all people by giving his son for all people. We'll touch more on this one in a later week whenever we discuss Another one of our core values that God created us to love unreasonably. Finally, we're for the city. We're for the city. Again, God is for the city. God is for Greenwood, and we just want to reflect his heart onto this community. I love the picture that God paints in Jeremiah of, of what he wants his people to do in their time of exile. First of all, we've read First Peter. Most of us have, some of us have read First Peter. We did a series on it, uh, I think, last year. And we know that we are aliens, that we are foreigners and, and exiles, right? This is not our home. This world is not our home. It's, it's only temporary. So keep that in mind as I read this passage. Jeremiah 29, 4 through 7. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses <clears throat> and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city I have sent you in exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. This is where we are planted. This is where God put us. And we're going to pray for this city. We're going to serve this city. We're going to love this city. And then when he calls us to spread influence and to plant into another city, we're going to do the same thing because we are for the city and the community that God places us in. All right, so that's the intro. I have, two, I have two things to talk about and 10 minutes to do it, so bear with me. Here we go. The first core value I want to touch on is God created us to leave a legacy. God created us to leave a legacy. And I, and I felt like I had to because we named it, you know, Legacy as a series. And clearly we believe this when we even named the church after it. So uh, we, we have to touch on it, and then we're going to spend the rest of the time looking at, at just, just one more. So. Uh, what does it mean to leave a legacy? Maybe a better question is when you think about um, when you think about people who left a legacy, who comes to mind? Someone of great importance, right? George Washington, Winston Churchill, possibly someone who captured our imagination, Walt Disney, left a pretty crazy, huge legacy, right? 
Better yet, maybe someone who made the world a better place. They left a great legacy, Mother Teresa. What all these people have in common, though, is that we remember their names. We know who they are. Very, very popular names. For many of us, leaving a legacy means being remembered, but a legacy is much more than people knowing our name. Our legacy is made up of everything we leave behind us, the good and the bad, the seen and the unseen, the known and the unknown. You can leave a world-changing legacy without anyone ever knowing your name. In fact, some of the most important people in history are effectively anonymous. For example, do you recognize the name Gavrilo Princep? Anybody? I'll, I'll take a show of hands if you, if you recognize the name. Cool? That's okay. I think maybe one in like probably 100 or maybe 1,000 people would recognize that name. But Gavrilo changed the course of history and shaped the world as we know it today. One day in June of 1914, Archduke Franz Ferdinand and his wife Sophie were gunned down. That incident sparked World War I, which killed nearly 20 million people. World War I led directly to World War II, which killed 60 million people. All of that death and suffering goes back to one assassin's gun, and that assassin's name was Gavrilo Princep. One man, one moment, changed the world forever. I think Princep was arguably the most consequential person of the entire 20th century because of what he did, yet no one remembers his name. So again, what's a legacy? I think in part a legacy is what you leave with the people you're closest to after you've gone. That's one aspect of it. But it's really what lives on after you die. How will you be remembered? It's the impact you made in this life while you were here. But as a church, what is the legacy that we're going to leave on this community? Because there will probably come a day when this church will not exist. I hope it's a long, long time for now. But there's probably going to come a day. Look at the churches that started in the book of Acts with Paul's missionary journeys. None of them exist anymore. And these were all started by Paul. But they have a legacy. It's called most of the New Testament. We're called to leave a legacy that shouts God's glory to the world. In fact, I would say if nobody remembers our names or the name of this church, but they remember that a move of God began in a movie theater and it penetrated the dark world with the light of Jesus, that's the legacy that we want to leave. I'm fine with anonymity. I knew I was going to mess that word up. Anonymity. I practiced it this morning. I'm not kidding. I was like, anonymity, anonymity, anonymity. Ah, uh, see anonymity. I don't know. I am great with anonymity for the sake of the name of Jesus, for the sake of his gospel, his mission. The God of the universe knows to be my name, and that's, that's enough for me. So let me read some scripture for a moment. Philippians uh, 2. In Philippians, Paul was speaking to the church at Philippi. Obviously, he was giving them examples of how they were to live and certain characteristics to have. And he explained the reason we're supposed to do this because, um, because these were the characteristics that Jesus had in his life. And they were the things that caused him to leave, leave the legacy that he left. And so let me just read a few verses here. Uh, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Uh, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was born in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. 
so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, that's a legacy. That's a legacy right there. Humility. Others counted more important than yourself. A servant to all. Obedience to death. This is the gold standard, church. This is the bar that's been set for us. This is how we should live, like Jesus. I try to leave a legacy that points back to him and back to his qualities. When it comes to the church, the legacy I want us to leave is to be for God and his kingdom, to be for people and the city undeniably. That's the, that's the legacy I, I want us to leave in this community. We are for you. We are for God, and God is for you. All right, I know this morning's already been a little jumbled, and I'm throwing a lot of different things at you. And there's not enough time to flesh all of them out to their full extent, uh, but this is going to be our, our final topic. So we've kind of transitioned two or three times, but let me transition one more to our, our last one. And, and next week will be a little bit, a little bit easier because we just have two things to talk about, and we'll hit those in, in their entirety in full. Uh, but another core value that, that I think God's given us as a church is God creates to be dedicated to worship, prayer, and the word. Now, if you've been with us for any amount of time, uh, or even just today, you know that we love worship, prayer, and the word. We have all three elements presented in, in every gathering, but I want to touch on it because we're about to go into 21 days of prayer and fasting. All right, we're going to go into this as a church. We're going to go into these 21 days, and we're going to pray in unity for the next 21 days, and we're also going to fast together. All right, we, we pray a lot. We are a praying church. But do we fast enough? And what do I mean by fasting? I mean us abstaining from something good like food in exchange for something greater, which is God. I think this is an element of prayer and worship that, that honestly gets dropped in our modern view of Christianity. So with, with our remaining couple of minutes, I just want to give you a quick reasons why we should fast. A few, a few ideas and a few things to think about uh, as we move into this season and then explain uh, the way this will work. So keep in mind, this is a broad overview of fasting and not at all exhaustive. We can do an entire series on fasting because God considers fasting important. His word, in fact, contains 92 passages mentioning fasting. Many of our heroes of the faith, including Moses, Elijah, Esther, Nehemiah, Daniel, and Paul, fasted at crucial points during their lives and ministries. Jesus both taught and modeled fasting. After being anointed by the Holy Spirit, he was led into the wilderness to fast and pray for 40 days. During the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gave specific instructions on how to fast. Jesus knew the followers he addressed needed to fast, needed to set aside time and to put aside desires so that we could focus on him. So why do we fast? We do it to show humility, to depend on God more, to repent, to, to know God's will, and to develop discipline. Fasting, I think, brings breakthrough, such as when Daniel fasted for three weeks in Daniel 10, and then the, then the angel, Michael, comes and brings a message of encouragement for him and visions of the future. Fasting brings new seasons of ministry, like in Acts 13, when the church was fasting and praying, and the Holy Spirit called them uh, to be set apart and to go on new missions to Cyprus. Fasting opens doors of opportunity, like in Nehemiah 1, when he fasted and prayed, and God opened up an opportunity for him to become the cupbearer for the king. Fasting, I think, is crucial to the Christian walk. 
And I hope that these next 21 days will show that and, and you will feel led to incorporate more fasting into your daily lives, as I hope I do in my, in my daily life as well. So here's what we're doing. I'm just going to there's I'm, I'm just kind of explain how this is going to work. Uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting. Um, for 21 days, we're going to be praying together in unity. Uh, the We had some handouts that, that we're going to give you, but they are not here. Uh, so those will be here next week, and they'll be posted uh, on social media, and we'll send out an email today uh, with with the, that thing on it. But it's going to tell you, essentially, we're gonna, we have a topic that we're going to pray for each and every day for 21 days. Uh, we're going to walk through this together. We'll be praying for the same thing together uh, as a church in unity. And, and we're going to pray for, for breakthrough in this community. I pray that we're going to see breakthrough in this community. We're going to see new ministry opportunities in this community. We're going to see God move and work through these 21 days. Now, prayer is easy. We all get prayer. I think most of us can get on board with that. We do it enough to where you're like, okay, I'm pretty comfortable with the praying thing. Even for 21 straight days, I think I can do that. But now we're talking about fasting. And I've got like dinner plans this weekend. And I've got like some stuff coming up, right? There's, there's a party and then there's this thing and then there's the national championship. And, and there's, you know, I've got to have, I've got to eat. I gotta. So here, here's what I want to say. Here's what I want to say. Listen, this is not a legalistic thing. This is not if you don't fast, you're shunned from the church. But here's what I want to encourage you with. I think if God can move incredibly through a single person fasting and praying, imagine what he's going to do when, a, when an entire body of believers, an entire church, decides to fast and pray at the same time. Now, fasting might look different to, to different people, and that's okay. That's okay. Uh, we've got a, I think we've got a thing here that, that we'll show you. Um, yep. Oh, I don't know if you can read that. Probably not. But uh, you can see the, the, the big ones, and that's what's important. I'll, I'll read the small text. Uh, so, so we have a couple of different fasts. Uh, just to give you an idea of what you could do, we have the complete fast. All right, this one, uh, in this type of fast, you drink only liquids, typically uh, water and maybe light juices if your you know, blood sugar drops or something like that. Uh, this one is hard. It is, it is not for <laughs> uh, everyone, and, and you should definitely, like, if you've got health issues, definitely consider not doing this one and, or maybe talk to your, your doctor because uh, this one's a pretty, pretty tough one. Uh, there's the next one. Another one is, is called a partial fast. Sometimes it's called the Jewish fast because the way this one works is you actually just don't fast. Uh, you, you, only, you only fast. You avoid eating. Again, these are, these are mostly talking about eating for now. We'll, we'll talk about other fasting things in a moment. But, but you don't fast during daylight hours, during the Jewish day. So from sun up to sundown, you don't eat. And then, and then maybe after sundown you can have, you know, a snack or dinner or, or whatever. And so, so that's another option because what, here's, here's what fasting really is. Fasting allows you to take something away from your life so that you can put God more into your life. And so if you normally go out to lunch, if you normally have an hour lunch break at work, you, you take that lunch away and then you spend an hour with God. Think of the ramifications of that. Think of how God can use that and move in your life if you were to do that. You, you take away food and you, you get some hunger pangs. And instead of eating, you, you satisfy yourself with the word of God, with prayer, 
So we got partial fast. That's another one that you can do. Um, then there's selective fast. This, uh, this is on our website. You can find this if you go to legacycity.church slash 21 days. Uh, there's, there's a link to, to look at this as well. Um, there's also a lot more information there. Selective fast. This fast involves abstaining from certain things, certain foods. And so uh, one of the most popular ones is uh, the Daniel fast. That's this one that a lot of people have maybe heard of or done uh, because in the book of Daniel, he abstained from a couple things in Daniel 10, and uh, he didn't eat certain things, and, and he didn't use lotion, and he didn't do some diff- some different stuff, and, and God honored and blessed him for that. And so um, so the Daniel fast, and there, there's even like, you know, lists of foods to enjoy, foods to avoid. You can, you know, look at all that, whatever. Uh, and so that's a part of a selective fast. Maybe, uh, maybe you, you, you can't take away food. Maybe you, you have, maybe, maybe you have like uh, a health thing that you can't t- just take away food or whatever, but you can take away some aspects. You can pull a couple things away. And you can, you can go for, 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 for 21 days on that. Then there's also the soul fast. This is a great option to add on to the others. Or if, again, if you have health issues or maybe, you know, we have a lot of uh, lander athletes that, that come here. And so uh, obviously you guys need calories and you can't go without food because you're going to go play sports. And that's a bad idea. So, um, and so you got, you got to eat. So, so maybe you want to do a soul fast, which is where you actually take away something else tangible from your life. TV, social media, video games, whatever it might be for you. You take that away for a season, and you replace it with more of God. And so it looks different for different people. And I'm not going to tell you which one to do. I'm not going to tell you which one to pursue. I would encourage you over these next, that starts tomorrow, so I would encourage you over these next, you know, 10, 12 hours to pray about it. God, what what would you have me to do? What would you have me to, how would you have me to do this? And then, and then go after it. Maybe you want to do seven, seven days one way, seven days another way, seven days another way. You've got that option as well. It's, it's completely up to you. It's between you and God, but we would encourage you to, to try something. Don't, don't say I can't because like I said at the beginning, we have the power of the Holy Spirit living within us. We can. We just have to choose to do it. We have to set our minds on it. So we're going to pray every day. Uh, there's a list of prayer prompts. Again, uh, those, those uh, cards did not make it here. They'll be here next week. We'll send it out in an email today. So if you are subscribed, if you're not subscribed to our email list and you want to make sure you get this, uh, go to LegacyCity.Church. Go to the very bottom. You can subscribe to the newsletter. That will go out this evening. And so you have some time today to go ahead and do that, to subscribe. We'll make sure that gets to you. Also, again, on social media, this will roll out, all this kind of stuff. But we have a list of prayer prompts for each and every day. Uh, we're also going to have um, uh, on, on at noon on every day except for Sundays, we're going to have uh, an Instagram live prayer where we're going to actually have somebody lead us in prayer through our particular topic for just a few moments. And so if you have time at work to stop, if you don't have time uh, to look at it, then I think it'll be live for like 24 hours after the fact. So you can go back and look at it as well. But we're all going to be doing this together. And then it's all going to kind of culminate on on Sunday the 27th. That's our last day. And we're going to have a concert of prayer right here in this place. And it's going to be incredible. And so we're so excited about what that's what's going to happen on that particular day. I know God's going to move in your lives over the next 21 days. And I can't wait to hear the stories of all that God does through this time. All right, I promise next week will be less of a shotgun effect because we're just going to be looking at two core values. But let me pray over you, and then I think, uh, and then I think we are going to sing a song, sing part of a song, and uh, and then and then we'll we'll get some announcements and we'll head out uh, for lunch. God, we love you, we thank you, we glorify you, we magnify you. You are so so good to us. You are so good to us, Father. 
I pray over this congregation, over this body of believers uh, right now that, that as, as they're beginning to pray about what their fast is going to look like over these next 21 days, that you will speak to them, that you will give them guidance and direction, that you will give them strength to, to, to make a choice and to stick with it, whatever that may be. Maybe, they're cho- maybe, maybe somebody has never fasted before and they say, you know what, I'm just going to do it for one day. I'm going to do it for one day this week. And then I'm going to do it for two days next week, and I'm going to do it for three days the last week. God, you're going to honor that, and you're going to bless that. I know you will. So speak to us in these moments. We love you so much. We th- we're so thankful and expectant for what you're going to do over these next 21 days. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.